What? What? Elevate. What's up, Elevate? This is Elevate. We meet Fridays at what time? There you go. Kind of better, right? It's okay. So we've been going through a sermon series about fatherlessness, right? Everybody's been keeping along. Uh, and when we do, before we preach the sermons, we usually have a testimony. So I actually want to call up uh, Kirsten right now to uh, give her testimony. This is Kirsten, right? She is the deacon in our church. She's not just the mother of Lawrence, but Lawrence is actually the daughter of, I mean, the, <laughs> the son of Kirsten, my bad. The son of Kirsten. Hey, everybody. Um, well, so I'm supposed to share my testimony, but I need to focus like on how this connects to fatherlessness and, yeah, not having a father. So I happen to be one of many who grew up with a father, without a father. And in fact, I never even met my father. So, you know, some of you have had the father in your life and, you know, in a not so good way. Some of you had them for a while and they're not there. And some of you may have been like me, like you never really met them and you didn't even know them. Um, the kind of the angle I want to go with this or I want to start with this is um, the thing that affected me the most of not having a father was the fact that since he wasn't there to be a provider for our home, uh, my mother had to take up the slack. So she tried to fill in for that role that only really a father can do. And um, so she like worked two and three jobs. My mother was under a lot of stress. Um, you know, she was trying to be both mom and dad to me, and it was really, really hard on her, and, like, she was angry all the time because of this. She was frustrated, and, um, you know, she was just, like, ready to explode any time because of all the pressure from this, and the interesting thing is then, so not only did I not have a father, but because of that, I pretty much didn't have a mother either, so um, she may have been there physically, but she was not there for me uh, emotionally and, you know, the whole mothering kind of thing. So not only did I not have a father to help discipline me and to teach me, you know, to respect myself and that I have value and how to be responsible because he was not there. And then my mother was not there because she was out trying to be provider to an extreme and trying to fill that spot, then I was lacking in that love too. And there, there, was a, there was a big hole there. And because of that then, and some of you may feel like this yourself, you feel like you're alone and you feel like, well, nobody's there for me. I gotta look out for myself. And since you are thinking in that mindset, then you think, well, I, I don't need to hear from anybody then. You know, I can run my own life. Nobody is going to tell me anything because I'm taking care of myself. And pretty much that's where I was. And I didn't respect authority. I didn't respect anybody. And um, when, when you're in that spot, uh, I don't know, Oscar, if you could put up the, um, the Ephesians verse. Let's see, from the Bible. Let's see, where is it? Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. Um, the Bible says that if you do not re respect your parents, which in this case was my mother was still there, uh, and you have no respect for authority, basically, it's not going to go well with you. 
Okay, so honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Well, uh, if you have that mindset that nobody's going to tell me anything and I'm going to be my own authority, I'm not going to listen to my mother, I'm not going to listen to authority, it's not going to go well for you. And you can see that around you, you know, other people... Uh, living like that, and it did not go well for me, okay? I got into trouble at school. I got into trouble at home, uh, in the neighborhood. I got into all kinds of trouble because I was under no authority, and basically because that was I had no father. And when you don't have that kind of discipline, when you have no sense of responsibility, what happens? Then you, can't, you're not, you don't care about your schoolwork. You don't care about a whole bunch of other things. You don't care about responsibilities. A lot of times you don't care about other people. And you're just trying to look out for yourself. And you can end up not only in trouble, you can end up in jail. You can end up uh, you know, getting into the wrong thing and getting yourself beat up or you know, in a, just another bad situation you don't want to be in because you think you know everything and you're not going to listen to anybody else. Um, what I really needed, though, what I really needed, and this is the importance of a father, you know, if I had a father there to teach me those things that I needed and also to encourage me, and, you know, and maybe some of you feel like this, it's not just girls, you know, guys too, you know, somebody there to support you, to encourage you, you know, to tell you, hey, you can make it, you can do it, you can be better than this. You know, if you're messing up somewhere and you're ruining your life, yeah, you need a, a dad, you know, you need somebody who's going to be that support and be there for you. And a lot of times, you know, I thought, well, I don't really need that, you know, I'm good. But it, it's so funny. Um, let me set this clip up real quick. It's a short clip from a show. I don't know if, how many of you know the show uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so, yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. And so basically there's this girl on there. Um, her name is Daisy. And she's kind of got like that background. She grew up by herself, pretty much taking care of herself and doing her own thing. And um, she becomes part of this team of crime fighters. And then the head of the team, his name is Colson. And Colson is like a father figure type, you know, the kind of father figure I think we all would like. And, you know, he just looks out for the team. He looks out for everybody. You know, he's a man of uh, integrity and guts. He's fearless. He's strong. All these kind of things, you know, that, that we would wish that we would have in our lives. So, Oscar, if you have the, the clip then. <laughs> Not quite the same when you get a relook. So while he's getting that, oh, here you go.
Okay, that's good. We're done. <laughs> so I might have heard some of you laughing, but the thing is, I don't know how many of you, like maybe some of you have, but think about it, okay? Dig deep. I never, I never experienced that. I never heard that. I don't know if any of you ever been like that, guy or girl, but you didn't have a father to tell you something like that. You didn't have a father to hug you and to say, I'm proud of you. Okay, so this is, a, this is a real thing. And maybe some of you have, but you don't have it now, and you miss that. And how things turn around for me, the, the wrap-up of this is that thankfully, thankfully, God got a hold of me. And one of the things God impressed upon me when he got a hold of me is, and this is for all of us too, is that he is the authority, okay? He is not only over me, but he is over all everything. He is the creator, and he is God, and I am not God, and I am just a human, and because just the very definition of the word God means a whole lot of things that I am not, and I, I realize, you know what, him being in that spot, he is worthy to be over me. He is worthy to direct my life. He is worthy to guide me. He is worthy to be uh, the authority in my life. And, and if anybody should know anything about what direction my life should take, what, what is good for me, what is not good for me, it would be a being like this, the creator who created me. And that really, you know, that, that convicted me. It changed me. And you know, some people say that, well, you know, you're, you're following, you know, a dictator. Uh, you know, your God is like a dictator. And look at all those rules. Look at the Bible, you know. Or they say, well, you're a brainwashed fool. You know, you're just going around following, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, I am not weak. I am not a fool. God gave me wisdom because the fool is the person who thinks that they know more than God. That is a, that is a foolish thing. And then the, the other thing is, like, uh, God is not a dictator. You know, the, the one that I have bowed my knee to is not a dictator. Dictator. He's like the guy in the video, but even more so, a hundred times so. He is loving. He is a good God. He's a good father, and I can trust him. And because of that, you know, he's, he's changed my life. And now my, the, the other verse that was really powerful, the pastor said on Sunday, it just like was wow. It was um, Psalm 68.6. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious are in a sun-scorched land. You know, that's how it was. When, when God is not your authority, it's like being in a dry, you know, a, a hard, hard place, you know. But when you give your life to the Lord and he becomes uh, your authority, he becomes your father, you know, things go well, go well with you and things, things change. And the, the Lord since then has blessed my life. He's made me a different person. You know, I, I thank God, I, you know, uh, not in jail. And just I, the Lord's blessed me with the family and with this church and with ministry. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that if I didn't yield to him, if I thought that I could do it myself and I was going to do it my way. So amen. Praise God. Kirsten, she's awesome. I mean, you need a woman like that and a man like Humberto, right, to give birth to a guy like the law, right? Lauren, where's Lawrence? Where's Lawrence? I don't know where he's at, but he's dope. He's right there. Oh, hey, my man right there. That's the law. Yeah. So 
praise God. I mean, what a great testimony. Having a, a father as a provider really helps. But having a father uh, there just to be proud of you, had the, to, to encourage you, to tell you, you know, that you're doing great. Almost like that guide. That's very important, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to, to single moms, whether they, they've seen their mom work multiple jobs, go to multiple places, so they barely see them, and then they're also disciplining them and acting as that father-mother uh, role. So that's very relatable, man, but God has, has made uh, Kirsten into a, a woman of God, so praise God. Uh, before I start the word uh, and get into the sermon, I want to say a word of prayer, so everyone bow your heads. Uh, and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, thank you. Heavenly Father, we praise you. Thank you for adopting us, making us sons and daughters of the creator, of, of, of someone of love. The word says that you are love, Lord. And that, God, we, we are, are made to be like you. And we're made uh, in your image. And that when you, you saved us, Lord, it wasn't just like a a, a switch where now you're, you weren't saved, but now, you, now we are saved. But God, you literally transformed us from the inside out, and you made us now your child. We are, it's like we bear your DNA, Lord. So I pray, God, that in this word that we would understand how much you do love us and how much you, you do care for us. And even though there are hardships, Lord, that God, you have a, you have a lesson in these hardships, so I pray, God, that every one of us would have an open heart and we would listen. We would not be distracted, but we would listen to your words, which yeah, you are speaking to our heart, and we would not only listen, but do it and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So real quick, what have we been talking about this last month? Everybody, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Fatherlessness, right? It's a, it's a huge epidemic. That's what we learned. I preached that a few weeks ago. Then Yuli, he spoke about the ever-present father, right, who's always there in times of trouble. Always there. You can always depend on him. He will never let you down. Then last week, right, Ashley preached on the forgiveness of the father, that he's willing to forgive you, that he's willing to have mercy on you. Despite what we have done, he is loving. He is not going to hold a grudge against you, but he wants to forgive you, and we should forgive just like him. So we've learned quite a few things about the Father, and we've learned quite a few things about probably ourselves and our own fathers, or our, our, our lack of our absent fathers. So today, we're going to be talking about the discipline of the Father, right? We're going to be talking about why discipline is actually a father's job. I'm not going to get too deep into that, but this is basically what it is, right? The father in the family is supposed to discipline the child. So he's supposed to be that stern no or that, that encouraging yes. He's supposed to be the guy, the head of the family. He's supposed to lead them. So when the child acts all crazy, guess what? He's the one that delivers the chancla, right? He's the one that's supposed to do that. He's the one that's like, you know, he flashes that belt. You get scared. You get, the minute you see that leather, you're like, oh, snap. You start, you start sweeping as fast as you can. You're like, like, you're like a video game or whatever. So, and then, and then it's the same thing, right, with... Uh, it's the same thing that uh, Kirsten was talking about now, is that when the father's not there and the mother has to provide and do that, there's no time to teach them how to love, teach them with a kind heart, you know, kind of be that, that soft voice that they listen to, you know? And, and, and this, you might be like, oh, that's a stereotype or whatever, but that's how God designed the family. If you look at a woman, right, uh, she has uh, more uh, estrogen, is that the, uh, the pheromone? Yes, and then a man has more testosterone, 
right? Testosterone, that's why we're all crazy and we're, we're swole, you know what I'm saying? Naturally, we're swole, okay? Just <laughs> There's some females that are swole, but this is why we're, we're supposed to be that strong hand and a woman is supposed to be that uplifting hand. Not saying that a woman cannot be strong, not saying that a woman cannot be a leader, but I'm just saying this is how the family's supposed to go. And why don't you know, right? It's, it's really not that different when it comes to the kingdom of God. See, God is the discipliner in our lives. He disciplines us. He is that strong hand that we need, okay? And we're going to be talking about Hebrew. We're going to be going into the book of Hebrews. If I have my man in the back on the track, lay it flat. Come on. That's joking. <laughs> so, right, Hebrews 12, uh, verse 3, we're going to read up to verse 11. If you guys got Bibles, I know we're in the 21st century, so none of you guys have a Bible. It's just the truth. But you do got phones. Get the Bible app. Jay, get the Bible app, my man. It'll bless your life. Brian, you too, man. Don't act like I ain't looking at you, Brian. You need the Bible app. Okay, so get the Bible app. Everyone turn to Hebrews 12, verse 3, and then we're going to read to 11. If you want, you can look at the screen. It's right there. So, one second. Okay. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So right there and then it's saying, consider him. Who is him? It's also it's talking about Jesus. He endured. That means he went through. That means he persevered. He allowed such opposition from sinners people that were not godly, uh, so that you, right? Not that he would not grow weary, but that, so that you, who's you? Everybody lift up your hand. You're you, right? So they're <laughs> speaking to you right now so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then it continues to go on. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Has anyone ever in their point at their life, right? ever started, like, shedding blood, like sweat? Did you know that's actually true? That can't happen under a certain amount of pressure of a certain, like, so here's the thing. Jesus actually sweated blood. So Jesus wasn't under an enormous amount of pressure. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. We actually talked about it in the Conqueror's Life group a long time ago. If you don't know and you're a part of the Conqueror's Life group, I'm very ashamed of you. No, I'm joking. So, so here's the thing. It is... It, it, you have to be under an extreme amount of pressure, okay? Then what it could also mean is, have any of you guys said no to sin and then all of a sudden died? Like, nah, I'm not going to sin. And all of a sudden, you blew up right there and then. Or you just started bleeding. You're like, oh, I'm, oh what the heck? I just didn't want to watch porn. Oh, man, I didn't want to lie. Oh, and you start bleeding. No, that never happened. So here's the thing. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And then, um, can you go to the, are you on that verse? That verse? Yes. So, real quick, this is talking about the, the book of Hebrews. Does anybody know about the Hebrews? No, not talking about coffee and a dude who brews coffee. No, Hebrews. Jay, what are, what are the Hebrews? What are the Jewish people? Huh? Oh, come on, you know, Jay. Okay, all right. Alejandro, my man, what are the Hebrews? We've been learning about it, the Jewish people. Yeah. Okay, I gave him a shot, right? Does anybody know what the Hebrews were? Jason, Marco, Libni, Megan. 
All right, man, you, you can keep going. You're, you're, again, you're right, but you're also wrong. Does anybody know? The Israelites, you're good, Megan. Did you know that? No, okay, it's all good. We learned something. We learned something. The Israelites, they were the people God had chosen to give his word. Everybody give a round of applause for all the contestants. Jason, Jay, Alejandro, they did great, man. Even though Jay kind of froze under pressure, Alejandro tried to deliver. Jason, he sealed the game. Megan, she was about to go in, all right? So here's the thing, all right? The Israelites, they were chosen by God. They were the first people chosen by God with, with his word, with who he was. He chose them to basically change the world with this new way of living by the law, right, and by following his commands, okay? He revealed himself to these people. Now, flash forward like 3,000, 4,000 years now, we, we are back with the Hebrews, but this time we also find out that the Hebrews, right, the Jewish people, they're the ones that, that wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to crucify him. Jesus himself was a Hebrew. He was a Jew, and they still wanted to kill him, not acknowledging he was God, their Messiah. So we're dealing with Hebrews, Jewish people, that have now understood that Jesus is the Messiah. This is important because the Jews were saying Jesus is a false idol or a false God. He's a false Messiah. While the Christians are saying, no, he is God. He is the Messiah. He's our Savior. And you crucified him. So we had two opposing views. And the Jewish people, right, they're stuck in between because their culture, right, their people are saying, no, you know, he's wrong. If you do this, you're in sin. If you follow Jesus, you're in sin. But then you have the Christians who converted that were Jewish or are Jewish that are saying, no, Jesus saved our lives. He is the Messiah to come. So you have a very, a very distorted, like, you know, very di- divided culture right here. So, and it continues to say, that's why it says, uh, have you forgotten the word of encouragement? Because they know this. They know that this is going to be a proverb from the Old Testament. So, it addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Chastens is like, you know, he puts a whipping on your backside. You know what I'm saying? He takes the belt off, says, you know. He says, hey, mira, mira, ven aquí. And then he tells you to, to take off your, no. <laughs> my, my, see, my mom, right, man, she used to go crazy. She was like, she was like, listen, you, I would take a shower, right? And then she'd be like, that's it, get to your boxers. <laughs> I'd be in my boxers, and then she'd hit me with the belt. You know, that stuff would hurt. But some of y'all looking at me weird, but you guys are the ones that get the, the cords, the extension cords, and, and you guys get all types of stuff, man. So, so you guys know what it is. You don't need to snitch on your parents, but you know what it is, okay? No need to snitch on them. But so we continue on. If you go to verse 7. So this is where my, my message is really going to be. I want you guys to understand, you know, the aspect that the Lord disciplines, right? But then here's the question now, right? Who does the Lord discipline? Does the Lord just discipline everybody? Is, is the Lord that, that one guy that's trying to be everybody's daddy, right? Where he's just like, hey, man, you don't want me to be your dad, but you're still going to be my dad. Hey, hey. You know, like you all have that aunt that tries to be your mom, and she's always giving your mom tips and stuff like that, right? That's your grandma. But we, is, is God that type of God, right, where he's now going to those that aren't his children trying to discipline them? No. We learn that the ones who the Lord disciplines are his children. The Lord only disciplines his children. 
The Lord only disciplines his children. So as we read in verse 7, I'm actually going to read verse 7 through 11 just to continue, right? Uh, keep that in mind. The Lord disciplines his children. Endure, uh, endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? What children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not official. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? You see, because they disciplined us for a little as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If you could go back to Hebrews 7 through 8. So we, we see this here about discipline. We were given the, the, the basic go-ahead to endure hardship as discipline. But real quick, who... Is discipline. Legitimate sons, like I said, children are disciplined. Legitimate. The word legitimate means that the people that gave birth to you, you know, it's not like a stepdad. You know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's your legitimate dad, okay? It's not like a guy who was a sperm donor, you know what I'm saying, who knocked up your mom and dipped. You know, no, it was a legitimate dad, and that makes you legitimate offspring, Okay, so that's what it's talking about here. It doesn't mean like, oh, you're pretty cool, you're legit, but it means you're, you're actual related to, to your dad. So legitimate sons are disciplined. And then it tells us right here how to look at hardship. Why is hardship and disciplined in the same phrase? Does anybody understand what hardship is? Okay, let me ask you this. Has anyone gone through it, you know, gone through a trial, a problem in their life that it put an extremely amount of stress on them? Raise your hand if you have. Has anyone gone through something where you felt depressed, anxiety, stress? Let's say, man, like you're, you get evicted out your home. Let's say, you know, you lose a parent. A parent dies. Let's say right now you, right, you lose, like, a cut. You Like, your mother, you know, you, you see her going through stuff. You know, you don't have her father. And, you know, you're going through many things like we're talking about. That's a hardship. That's a hardship. And many of us, when trials and problems come, you know who we blame? We blame God. And we say, man, God must have forsaken me. God must have abandoned me. Because of everything, listen guys, please, if you're on your phones, listen to this, because a lot of you guys will backslide, a lot of you guys will turn away from God if you don't get this. You see, because many of us, what do we believe God to be? We believe to him to be the blue guy in the lamp. We believe him to be like Cosmo and Wanda. We believe him to be, you know, sugar daddy. Like, like hey dad, you know... I haven't seen you in a few months, but I've been really feeling the car right now. You know, I want that Lambo. And the guy's like, well, son, you should have asked sooner. <laughs> you know, I make it rain all the time, you know. What's a Lambo to a Bugatti? <laughs> What's a Bugatti to a Tesla? <laughs> 
And then all of a sudden, he gives you money that he dips, right? That's how we view God. You know, we, we, we come to church, and we just ask him for stuff, and then he comes and he delivers. Then we also view God as this. Man, you know, you believe in God, everything's going to go perfectly. Like, you're going to get that job. You're going to get them grades. You're going to get them girls. You're going to get them guys. You're going to be married at 18, you know, have a big mansion, you know, model wife, model husband and everything. You're going to have the American dream. And we fall into this idea that, listen, we believe in God. We have now escaped from suffering. That's what we think. Life is no longer going to be hard. Let's, let's look to verse 3 right now. You don't have to turn there, Oscar, but remember, it said, consider him who's him, Jesus who endured such opposition, such hardship from sinners. So Jesus suffered from the hands of sinners, people. So I want you to understand this. Do we deserve, if God himself became a man and suffered, are we now going to be absent from suffering? If God himself became a man and dealt with hardships, I'm telling you this, his family thought he was crazy. His brothers mocked him. His friend was beheaded. Dude, this guy was pierced in his hands with, with nails this big. His, one of his best friends, Judas, betrayed him, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. That's like, that's like Jay, right, being sold out by Alejandro for a pair of Jordans. Like, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, where's Jay, man? I want to hit him. That's it, dude. I'm tired of him. And then Alejandro's like, I know where he stays at, man, but it's going to be a cost. And I'm like, man, we'll give you these Jordans. All right, man, that's cool. You know, they ain't, even, they ain't even good Jordans, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they've been worn a couple times, but Alejandro's like, he's been fiending. He's been fiending, you know? So he sells out Jay. That's what Jesus went through. He went through hardships, okay? But that the Bible here says in verse 7 to treat hardship as discipline, not as if God abandons you. So understand this. Right now, we're going we're gonna to expound on this, but now get this in your mind. Hardship, when you go through something as a child of God, right? As a child of God, if you are, this is a test. If you are a child of God and you go through a hard time in your life, you do not turn from God if you are a child, but you actually turn to God. You actually cry out to God. You trust in him. You now say, listen, my life is messing up, but I know you're the same today, tomorrow, and forever. I know I consider you the one who was crucified on the cross, suffered by my sin. I am going to suffer because you suffered for me. That's what you do. You don't now say, you know what, I'm not going to believe in God now. You know, I'm not going to trust him now. Now I'm just going to, instead of going turning to God, I'm going to turn to sex. I'm going to turn to boys. I'm going to turn to drugs. I'm going to turn to sports. You guys put everything in place, and you're saying, where's God? Well, you left him, and you're still going through hardships because of it. And you're still going through pain because of it. But I'm telling you right now, there are people that have had cancer in this church. My mom went through lupus most of her life with a smile on her face. She was in dialysis, and I would see her as a 10-year-old boy, seeing her as she had needles stuck deep into her arm. Bruises. Everyone was depressed in this place, but yet the nurses would be encouraged by her. That's because she trusted in God and her hardships. She's not a coward like some of us. And Christ wasn't either. So we have to understand that. I'm talking to the children of God as well. Because you will face hardships in your life. This is Jesus himself told us. That we will face problems. But take heart. Be encouraged. Be courageous. For I have overcome the world. 
So listen, you had none of that in sports. You see? You had none of that in sports. There's a whole new thing going on in sports where athletes are coming out talking about how they're depressed. I'm like, man, you don't got the right to be depressed. That's what everyone else says. I mean, bro, you get to play a sport for money. The heck? That's like getting paid to play hopscotch. That's like getting paid to hula hoop. What do you got to worry about in life? But no, it's because they've abandoned God. And they have nowhere to go. They try to fill it with sports. They try to fill it with women. But yet nothing happens. So children of God, listen to me. If you claim to be a Christian, you will go through problems. But your answer is not found anywhere but in God, that he is disciplining you. He is, and we will see the purpose, but he is disciplining you. Okay? Not like he's sending bombs to your house, but in the hardships, he's going to discipline you. You don't take it as anything less or anything more. So God views you as sons with love. Deuteronomy 8.5, you don't need to go there. Know in your heart, as man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines us. So God views us as sons, right? And here's the thing. Since he views us as sons and daughters, dude, there's an inheritance. There's a love that he gives us. It's not like he hates us. It's not like he wants us to suffer. It's not like he wants to torment us. But even in the discipline, there's love. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have been disciplined in your life, but usually, man, if you've got a good parent, they'll whoop you a little bit, right? And then you're crying, <laughs> I hate, I hate you. And then you're like, you can't even get a word out, right? But then all of a sudden, when you're in your room, right, and you just, you're on your phone, or like, now you would be on your phone, but I, I would be in my room, and I would just be like on my bed, like, <laughs> like I was tough or something, like I was going to do something, right? Nah, I wasn't. I was, <laughs> and I remember I would slam my door until my mom hit me for that. So then I would like almost slam my door and I would stop it, close it. So, dude, we, all, we get to that point, but then what, is your, what does the good parent do? They come, they open the door, and then they explain to you why they disciplined you. They explain to you how they want you to act. They explain to you why and how much they love you. That's what a good parent does. Their discipline was not done out of hate, out of anger, because they spite you, but be out of love. That's what a good parent does with good discipline, and that's how the Lord disciplines us. So children who are not dis- disciplined, get this, guys. Children who are not disciplined are not legitimate children. If you can go to Proverbs 13, 24. So as a father, right, and I, I want to also use the sermon series as a way to teach young men to be fathers, as a father, this is for you. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. That means whoever spares discipline, whoever says no to discipline, hates their children. You hate them. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It doesn't mean, you know, whoever loves their children beats them till they're blue and purple, but it's careful. It's, a, it's not a, like, thoughtless discipline, but it's a careful discipline. You don't want to destroy your child, but you want to let him know what he has done wrong, there's a punishment. So the one who loves their child does that, and it shows the, it shows the child that, yes, I am your father. I, have, I, I did bring you into this world. I'm not going to take you out of it like a lot of you guys thought I was going to go there. I did take you in this world. About it. But he puts you in this world, and I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to raise you to be a man. I'm going to raise you to be a woman, and you can't be acting like that. So this is what a father does, and he does it carefully. He does it gently. He does it sternly. So if you have not been disciplined by your father, he has failed you. He has failed you. If you're able to do whatever you want and get no discipline, he has failed you as a father. And you should not repeat that. 
Because whether he knows it or not, the Bible is saying that he actually hates you. This is not me. This is the Bible. So if you have not been disciplined, you get to come at 3 o'clock in the a.m., you get to do whatever you want, you've never had rules to obey by your parents, chances are your parents don't care that much for you. That is the truth. That is what the Bible is saying. You can come and disagree, argue, debate me, whatever, after. You can bring your mama, your daddy here. I will show them this scripture, and then I will disciple them to be better parents. This is the truth. This is what the Bible is saying. So if you are a child and you are not disciplined by your parent, you are not legitimate. Let's put this in the kingdom of God. If you have gone through hardships and you have turned from God and you have not seen it as discipline, you are not children of God. You are not children of God. I was not a child of God at the age of 10, uh, well, I was turning 11, when my mother passed away. And God had given me peace, but instead I turned away from him, tried to find in other things, friends, man, all types of stuff. At 11 years old, I had turned away from God. At 12, I completely, I was like, I didn't want to go to church. At 13, I really wanted what the world offered me because I was dealing with depression. I was dealing with hardship. Right? I was going through many things with my family because of it, and I decided to go somewhere else, somewhere else to fill the void. And I blame, I, you know, it was almost like God, I didn't think God abandoned me, but I had abandoned him. Now, on the flip side, if you've gone through a hardship, and now you're saying, the Lord has abandoned me, the Lord doesn't want me, the Lord isn't near me, and you're a Christian, then you need to repent because you're actually not a, leg- a legitimate child. Because Christians, their heart, when they do go through hardship, is not to turn away from God. You see, it's like almost like when you see baby Yuli, right? And you see Ashley or Yuli in the way. And let's say you scare baby Yuli. Baby Yuli's not running away from Ashley. Baby Yuli's not running away from Papa Yuli, right? But instead, he runs to their legs. He runs for them. He reaches out to them. He cries out to them. Because that's what children do. It is an intrinsic and automatic thing that children do. So if you claim to be a child of God, it is an automatic thing you do when problems are going at you. You can't bear. You're like, you pressure left and right. There's, there's all types of things. People are getting locked up in your family. People are being uh, killed in your family. People are being abused. You're being abused. All these things that are going on, you cry out to God intrinsically. Automatically, you want to cry out to God. This is the heart of a child to his father. But if you do not know God as your father, you don't even know to trust in him. You don't even know to turn to him. You don't even know to cry out to him. You're fatherless, not legitimate. You have no one to turn to. So think about that, okay? I want to ask you guys some questions uh, to just keep your mind, all right, stimulated. Do you believe that you are a legitimate child of the father, of daddy, right? Do you view hardship as discipline? Have you viewed trials as a way that God has been mad at you and he hates you? Or as you viewed it in a way where he's disciplining you? Think about that. My next, uh, I want to go to verse 9. Yes, uh, verse 9. Thank you. So moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? So this is where... Basically, I want you guys to understand, you must submit to God, the Father of spirits, and live. That means Father of spirits, right? Father of spirits. We all have a soul in this room. We all have a spirit. We all have a body, right? Can anyone point to yourself? 
You guys are all pointing to your chest. So what if right now I was able to surgically remove your chest and keep you alive? Would that still be you? Would you still point to your chest as it's right over here as I surgically removed it? Can you guys point to yourself, please? You're okay, what if I just removed your leg? What if I removed your, your hair? <laughs> what if I removed your hair, your leg? Would that be you? Well, then, then you would have two yous because then your leg's right here and you're right here. No, that is a part of you. You, have, you, are a, you are a being that is made out of spirit, out of soul. And here's the thing. God created your spirit. He created your personality. He created your, your joy. You know, he created your laughter, your very essence of who you are. God created that. So when it says father of spirits, God is basically the father of everything, right? Spirits, land or whatever, but it speaks to mostly spirits here. And live, okay? So it says submit to the Father and live. What we get when we understand right here and from this verse, chapter 9, is some of us, right, had fathers. Anybody who had a father in their, in their life, raise your hand. If you had a father in your life, raise your hand, right? Now, did this father discipline you? Yes or no? Yes. If he did discipline you, right, did you respect him for it? Some of you did respect him for it, okay? Some of you didn't. Right? Some of you did it. Some of you did. I respected my dad, right? I mean, I had this thing, right? I had two, I had two parents who, whip, who whipped me differently, okay? I had my mama. She was a savage, man. She didn't care. She was like, you know, until I was seven one time, and I tried to block myself like an idiot I was. I was like, ah, and she slapped my hands, and then all of a sudden, I started freaking out. I was like, <laughs> and I was looking at my hands like, like freaking out, and then she was like, ah, oh, Papa, no, I'm sorry, and then she holds me. She's like, I'm never going to hit you again. I mean, I didn't even deserve to get hit, you know what I'm saying, but I didn't get hit after that. Then I had my dad, and he always hit me with his hand, so I had a smart theory. I was like, what if I react differently to his hand. Like, what if my dad hits me with his hand? I'm like, no, don't do it, you know? And then I act more brave with the belt, so I'll get his hand instead. You know what I'm saying? Creativity at a young age, right? That's what cartoons did to me. So that's what I, you know, that's the little thing. But I was disciplined, and I end up respecting my parents more for it. I respected them because, like I said, they would tell me why they disciplined me. They would tell me what they expect of me after. They would tell me, hey, listen, you, you did something wrong, and this is why I did this to you. You know, I did it out of love, and I, and, and I would go, okay, I respect you for it. But then how many of you did not have fathers in your life that also didn't, because they they're not there, they didn't discipline you, but how many of you had no fathers in your life, and how many of you were not disciplined? So you had no father in your life, but you're also not disciplined. So you, basically you had neither. No? Okay, for sure. So now how many of you did have fathers, but you were disciplined by someone else, whether it be your mother, whether it be your thea, whether it be your grandma? Okay, so some of you, some of you can agree, okay? So here's the thing, right? I'm not going to say that just discipline, discipline, right, helps you. It's like, yo, if you get whooped, you're going to be a better person in life. I'm not saying that, right? But the Bible does say there is some truth in that. So here's the thing. The, res the discipline you got, a lot of us don't respect it. And there's a problem with that when it comes to the Word of God. If you can go to Proverbs, uh, one second. If you can go to Proverbs, 
Proverbs 12, the Proverbs 12 verse. Okay, so right here, this is for, let's, let's all read this. Let's all read this together on a, on a count of three, okay, on a count of three. Come on, wake up, some of y'all sleepy heads, get off your phones, some of you phone heads. Let's go, let's, get bi- let's be Bible heads, all right? So everybody, on a count of three, right? One, two, three. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Stupid. Okay, so, right, this is so important to my pastor. He actually has it as a plaque on his, in his office. One day, maybe, you can see it. It's, in the, it's right there. He has a plaque that says, you've seen it, right? So we, she, she can agree. She, she knows. She knows. So our pastor loves this verse. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. Some of us hate discipline. We hate to be told we're wrong. We hate to be told that someone else is right. We hate to be corrected. We hate to be disciplined. We hate it. We despise it. And we hate whoever does it to us. Well, I have one thing to tell you. According to the Bible, you are stupid. I'm not saying it. I don't want to disrespect y'all. It's the Bible. The Bible is saying whoever hates discipline, whoever hates correction, whoever scorns it, is stupid. Now, here's the thing. Do we have to remain stupid? No. We can love discipline, and whoever loves discipline loves what? Knowledge. Loves to learn things. Loves to to find things out. Right? So when your parents mad at you because you're not paying attention and, you know, smacks you on the butt or whatever, and you're like, dude, what the heck? Why would you do that for? And he's like, you need to learn. You need to listen. So when we're told why we're wrong and what we did wrong, or by any authority, we should listen. Hear them out. And this goes against everything the culture is teaching you. It's teaching you, do you. Do whatever you want. Man, just worry about yourself. But then the Bible is saying you must love discipline if you love knowledge. And it says ever, whoever hate, whoever was not disciplined will die. That's a paraphrase. That's it. And you might think, that's crazy. If I don't love discipline, I die? Well, I want you to think about this. The person who who basically is, is living reckless, right? They're doing whatever they want. I mean, they're, they're, I, I, I basically saw, like, this is, this is the thing I was getting. There was a, a riot last year. Remember the riots that all happened last year? All those riots, like, week after week. Everybody was rioting. They even had Facebook dates for rioting, like, right at the bean. Are you going? There was a guy who was rioting, and his mom comes out of nowhere and starts beating him, dude, beating him, right, to get home. Now, of course, if she had discipline before that, maybe that wouldn't happen. She was beating him, dude, like, because she did not want him. People had died during the riots. People were getting arrested in the riots. People, let me go back to that. People were dying during the riots. They were not, they hated the discipline. They were rioting against discipline. They were rioting against, you know, they couldn't, some of them might have been rioting against civil rights, but a lot of them just wanted to get out there to riot. You know, finally I get to rebel. Finally I get to tell people no. Finally I get to be my own boss. And dude, people were dying for it. People were, <laughs> businesses were, you know, getting destroyed. But this is what happens when you hate discipline. That's what, you ha- what happens. Now to the kingdom of God, right? This is what I want to ask you. Are you subject to, the, are, you, are you basically submitting to your earthly parents? So the ones that you did respect, okay? So the ones that said, yes, I do respect them. This is what I want to say then you must submit even more to the Lord. If we can go to verse, 
If we go to 1 Peter 5, 6. You, if you are able to respect earthly parents, if you are able to submit to earthly rules, then you must humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. Ashley had a word right before uh, um, the, the transition to announcement. She said that some of us are prideful. Listen, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. We're having a celebration recently. We're talking about, you know, gay pride. I won't even get into how homosexuality, uh, so homosexual lifestyles are sin, but I will talk about pride. They are being prideful in their rebellion against God. They are pride, they're, they're proud. But then the scripture literally says this. The Christians there are in sin as well because God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. You see, no one here can be a child of God unless they are able to humble themselves under his mighty hand. No one. Not one person here. You're not special. You're not avoiding the rules. Just because you've gone to elevate so much, you think you should be a leader. Or you're going to elevate so much, you think you know everything. That does not mean you deserve to be a child of God. You must humble yourself. You must come to a low position. You must think low of your opinion before the presence of God. If some of you here are saying, man, I got my life to do. I got sports. I got girls. I got this. I got jobs. I got everything to do. And you've never even once considered God because you're so prideful with your life. You need to humble yourself under his mighty hand. And here's the thing. Right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you have not humbled yourself under God's mighty hand, you have rejected him. And you may think, oh, dude, that doesn't make any sense. I want you to look at this. You ever seen, like, again, I'm going to have to use your son, Ashley, right, as another example. You know, as a kid, right, like imagine baby Yuli, right? Ba Yuli, you know, he reaches out his hand and he puts Yuli under his hand. And he's able to tell him no, you know, he's able to tell him yes, you know. And he, he basically leads him with that hand. And that is how I want you to look at this verse. You see, because many of us think, man, God, you know, all of a sudden, here's the wrath of God. It's like a big, mighty hand. You know, it's about to destroy everything. But then the minute we humble ourselves, it becomes the hand of a father. That's how much it shifts. That's how much it changes. The wrath of God will change the grace of God simply by this, humbling yourself and believing in Jesus. And you will receive a father in heaven. So just like you submit to your, your parents, right? You're like, man, I feel like I'm right, but at the end, I, I know they're right. I know they're I feel like I'm right, and I want to do this. And you consider what the circumstances will be. You're like, man, if I don't listen to them, I know that, you know, my life is going to be harder. So let me listen to them. Let me obey them. Let me submit under their hand. They put a shoulder on you. They tell you this is what you need to do. So now if you are to the kingdom of God, if you're saying, man, I love my sin, I love to do this, I love to put everything before God, sports, girls, Snapchat, everything, you know, I like to be famous before that, Every, man, you can think of everything you could put before God, you've probably done it, and you're saying, but I know God is better, I know God is greater, I know God actually loves me, and he wants to save me from hell, and his wrath is coming for me, his, his, listen, if you're not a child of God, you don't have to deal with discipline, you have to deal with wrath now. See, children of God, we don't need to deal with wrath. We don't have to worry about hell because we're under his mighty hand. 
So just like you submitted, you saw that your parent, their circumstances were better, their ways were better. So you humbled yourself, said, yes, I will listen to you. This is what you do. You say, yes, God. I know you have the right way of life. I know you have the words of life. I will listen to you. Forgive me. I will obey you. I submit myself under your mighty hand. And boom, you're now a child of God. That simple. That's how eager God wants to adopt you, to take you as his child. And then it says that he may lift you up in due time. And we're going to speak about that. But real quick, I want to ask you guys, really, have you submitted your life to God? Are you under the hand of the Father? Or are you living like the, any way you want to? You know, you see a pretty girl, you try to get her number, all of a sudden you guys are talking about sexual things. You come to church, it doesn't, it doesn't even penetrate your heart. You're literally as cold as, a, as a, like an ice mountain or something. You're literally rock hard when it comes to the Word of God. It doesn't do anything to you. It almost bounces off you. It bounces off you. Literally, it's almost like bouncing a ball off a wall, and then you're like, eh, that's it. Is that how it is when you come to Elevate? Is that how it is when you hear the Word of God? Is that how it is when you listen to the Word of God? Then I'm telling you right now, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves. Uh, Can you go to verse 10 and 11? So what does it mean that he will lift you up in due time? You see, your parents, they disciplined, uh, they disciplined us, they disciplined you for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good. Say, God disciplines us for our good. Isn't that crazy? We, we probably grew up thinking, man, dude, I'm going through hardships because God's evil. I'm going through this because God is evil. I'm, my parents hit me because God is evil. Or my parents hit me because they are evil. And before I get into this, I want to clarify some things. Some of us have been disciplined wrong. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been raped. Some of us have been neglected as discipline. That's how we've been disciplined. You've done something wrong, that's it. I, I hit you to your crying, your, your, blood, your bleeding, bleeding and everything. You have scars on your, on your skin. Oh, that's it, dude. Like, you know... I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. Goodbye. And then all of a sudden your parents leave you for five hours. They go on drinking out with their friends. And then you come back to it. She comes back and your mom's drunk right there and then. And you're like a six-year-old or seven-year-old. That happens. That's neglect. One in 14 girls are abused and raped. Actually raped by their fathers. Their parental figures. One in 14. You may think that's not a big number. Think about 14 times 7 billion. Think about that. That's a lot of girls. Even more are abused and neglected. There, is wrong, there are wrong types of discipline. And if you have been disciplined wrong, understand there is a difference between the discipline I'm talking about and the discipline that God has been giving you. Because that discipline they gave you was for their own benefit. It was selfish. Selfish discipline. It was for their own good. They, they hit you because they wanted you to shut up. They hit you because they were tired of you. They left you because you were annoying them. Your knees completely irritated them. They had to leave. They had to take a break from being a mother and a father, and they had to be an alcoholic for a few. They didn't want to deal with all that pressure, so they disciplined you the wrong way. But what does God do? He disciplines us for our what? Good. Come on, say it. God disciplines us for our good. 
He disciplines us for our good. That's so, di- that's so different than the world that views discipline as selfish gain for the parent, anger, perversion. Think about this. Children have been raped by their parents. Children have been touched inappropriately by their parents. The one who brought them into life is abusing them sexually. And, 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 and this is happening. This is sick. This is disgusting. But this is what you get when you disobey God. You get a world flipped completely upside down, doing things completely wrong. And now you have a woman who has growing up with the fact knowing that their father, who, get, who, who, was, uh, who was part of giving birth and them, get, you know, with the mother, abused them and had sex with them at a young age before they even knew what sex was. That's what we get. That's wrong di- discipline. But like I said, God disciplines us for our good. You see, God ba- gets no benefit. He gets no benefit disciplining us. You see, Christ, when he died on the cross, he gained no benefit. It was nothing for him. It was completely selfless. When he resurrected, it was for us so that we may share in this resurrection. When he disciplines us, it's not because he finds amusement in our suffering, but he disciplines us for our good, for the betterment of our souls. He disciplines us. As we see, your parents disciplined you for a little while as they thought best. You know, it wasn't perfect. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share. Everybody say share. In his holiness. In his holiness. No discipline. Seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that are trained by it. See, God, just like any other father, any other good father, wants you to become just like him. See, what a father does that is so good is that he raises his son and his daughter. That is a big implication. You see, he raises him from a young person that can't walk, a baby, and he begins to teach him. He begins to raise him up. He begins to show him what not to do, what to do, in hopes that he would be just like him. See, that is a father's delight. Yuli hopes that his son will be just like him when he grows up. That's what a good father wants. Like, son, you do as I do. You follow me as as I go. No, son, I wouldn't do that. Think about what I would do. That's what a good father does. So that you can share in his identity. So you can be like him. So God is disciplining us, not that we can suffer and we can be in pain and we can be distressed and we can say, man, where's dad? Man, why is everyone dying in my family? Man, why can I not afford a meal? Why, can't, why is my mother crying all the time? Why are there so many hardships? He's not doing it to tell you uh, he hates you or he's abandoning you. He's doing it so you get to become like him. And you might think, what? That makes no sense. Listen. There's so many distractions in this life. There's so many problems in this life where we think, man, hey, listen, if I'm doing good, right, that means I'm good with God. That's what a lot of people think. A lot of times we evangelize, we're like, hey, man, how do you know you're good with Jesus? Man, I'm blessed. You see, the, you see this Gucci belt right here? It wasn't free. I'm blessed. Hey, man, you see what I'm wearing? You see what you're wearing? Man, you, it looks like you ain't good with God. No one's ever told me that, but I'd be expecting this sometimes. But that's what they think. They think just because my life is going decent, right, 
Take it. They could be, man, they, they could be struggling, man, but they got a good car, right? Or, man, you, you know, you got good grades. You know, your mom's happy with you. Your parents are happy with you. You're not going through anything. You know, you're not being disciplined by God. There's no hardships. She's like, yeah, I'm good with God. All, all in the while, right, you know where your trust is in the whole time? You know, your trust isn't in God. Your trust is in your money. Your trust is in your mother. Your trust is in your father. You're trusting in everything but God. So when he comes, right, and he says, listen, this is going to happen. You know, let's say your mother dies. Because I trusted in my mother as a child. And when my mother died, I had no one to trust in anymore. Hardships came, and I didn't turn to God. So God allows hardships to happen, not that we would turn away, but we would turn to him to acknowledge him as the only one who can save our soul. But then now as Christians, when you go through hardship, it's so that you, right, do not depend on anything but God. And the process that happens now is you become to act more like God. Let's say a Christian just got saved. Then all of a sudden, you know, bad things start happening. His family turns against them. They're like, listen, why are you Christian? We're going to have to leave you. They start, the Christian now understands. Either a you know, mother and father may forsake you, but the father will never leave you. Let's say right now, a Christian, right, stored up a lot of money, right? He's a rich Christian. Then all of a sudden, another depression hits. He loses all his money. He's homeless. Or he's not homeless, but you know, let's say he's really suffering. He's homeless or, or whatever. He doesn't have the money. That's because moth, that be, that's because riches stored in banks, moth, flies, disaster, everything may take your riches, but in the kingdom of God, nothing could ever be taken. It's unshakable. You see, hardships are meant to teach us to be like God. Because in this world, the only purpose you have is to be like God. Not to be like, like a Cubs player, like, like Berea or like, what's his name again? What's the Cubs player? Bias. Not to be like XX Tenision. Not to be like this dude. Not to be like uh, uh, Bill Gates. Not to be like Donald Trump. Not to be like Barack Obama. Your only purpose in this world is to be like God. That's the only purpose. If you try to find another purpose, sadly, you are mistaken. If you think your purpose is being a student, you are sadly mistaken. Your purpose is to be a child of God and to start to grow to be like him. That's it. If you've had it any other way, you're sadly mistaken. You need to repent. You need to submit yourself under the hand of the Father. To share in his holiness. To look like him. That is the will of every father. 2 Peter 1.4, please. Thank you, good sir. Though these have been given to us very great and precious promises. God has promises, just like every father has promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. See right here. Through these, he has given us his very great promises. He's talking about basically people that have talked about the word of God, the gospel. So through these people, right, through the word of God, he has given us precious promises also by the Holy Spirit. So that through them, right, through them, we may participate. We may share in the divine nature. Listen, there is no, I just go to church, but I'm a sinner on Monday through Saturday. There's none of that. There's no, I'm a hypocrite. There's none of that. There's no, yeah, I cuss and I swear, but I'm trying to get better. There's none of that. You either share in the divine nature and you are holy or you are a sinner condemned to hell. 
Why? Not because Jesus Christ came to condemn you, but he came to save you. Because if you were saved, if you were a child of God, you would not be looking like the world. If I come and pick you up, you should not look like every other person I see on the block. You shouldn't look like every other person I see in your school because they don't got the same father as you. They have a different father. But no, but no, some of you are legitimate and you are just a child of the devil. That's it. So you do look like your father. You just look like a different one. You're just like everyone else in this corrupted world. What is it caused by? It's caused by evil desires. See, it, most of your hardships ain't even got, like, listen, listen. Most of your hardships can be avoided if you just heeded discipline before that. Why? Because most of your hardships are caused by your evil desires. Most of the crap you go through is because you got crap inside you. That's it. That's it. All the drama is because you love drama and you're a sinner. Repent. So this is what I'm telling you right now. Listen, you have something better for your life. You have something better for your life. You can have holiness in your life. You could look like God. I'm not saying all of a sudden you start creating planets and everything, but God has no sin in him. God does not lie. God does not take what is not his. He technically owns everything, but he gives us stuff. He's a giver. He's generous. He's loving. He's kind. He's patient, slow to anger. He's gentle. See, God has so many attributes. Just like Kirsten was saying, when she realized that she had to have God as her father, she realized God is a lot of things I'm not. And this is the same with a lot of you. All of you. Most of, most of you. Well, technically, you know, we have been made like God. So this is what I'm trying to tell you right now. If you submit yourself to the hand of God, right, under the hand of God, if you submit yourself, your life, your very soul, who you are, what you think, you submit yourself to the hand of God, not, as, not like the, the stormy hand that's about to blow up the world, but as the hand that, that leads you and guides you, so gentle, so loving, then you will become like God in holiness. You will share in his divine nature, not in a sinful nature. Not, and when it means nature, it means attitude. It means lifestyle. If I can have my altar workers come up and if I can have Stephanie uh, come up, and Lawrence as well. See, this is what was the plan of mankind. You're wondering, why are there so many things going on wrong in my life? Well, it's because God is speaking to you. He wants you to be disciplined. He wants you to know that you cannot trust in these things. These things will not lead you to, to anything. They will not do anything for you. They will not save you. The only one who can save you is the God, the Father of spirits and life. That is the only one who can save you. That is the only one. So if I can have everyone stand, please. This is what I want to close out with, okay? If you can go to Hebrews 10, I mean Hebrews 12, uh, verse 11. So many of you guys see this world as a very narrow thing, you know what I'm saying? Like here's your 67 years, right? Like let me show you. Here's your 67 years. Boom. That's it. You view life like this. The Bible says you're nearsighted. That means you cannot see that there is a life after this one. All your sports, all your accolades, everything you've ever done will become like crap. It will be dust. It will be garbage. Because guess what? Those 57 years compared to eternity, which is more than this. It's like, think about the end of that stage, the end of that stage, to this, this little cup right here that I'm holding. But that's all you look at. Your life is, man, I got to get money. I got to get grades. Man, I got a lot of problems. I can't worry about God. I can't do this. No, nah, God, you're not, you're not that good. You know, I can't serve you. I've gone through stuff. I can't care about you. You're, you're, you're blind and you're nearsighted. All you see is the back of your palm, and it's stupid. 
because God is so much greater. And I'm listen, it's okay. And I taught the life for you yesterday. It's okay to say stupid in certain areas. Not to doubt someone's intelligence, but you're stupid. You're foolish according to the Bible when you don't think about the circumstances when you act. You see, you're acting for this life that's 60, 70 years, and the riches are going to go to crap when God is promising you an inheritance. Verse 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces. Later on means not this time, not now. But however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If you have been disciplined, guess what? You will reap a harvest of righteousness. You will be standing next to God in the way you are living. You'll be walking hand to hand with God. And there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. Think about it as a child walks with his father, as baby Yuli walks with Yuli. Nothing but joy, nothing but excitement, nothing but wonder as he views the world with the hand of his father attached to him. This is the now that you get when you grow in your discipline. But then guess what? There is a reward in heaven. There is a reward in heaven. You will have eternal rewards if you've been disciplined and you endure. If you do not turn away from God in this time, you will have rewards in heaven. This is what the Bible teaches you that church won't teach you, that your mom won't teach you, that your dad won't teach you. Is that this life is temporary, but God promises rewards to all his children. If he was willing to give his son, Jesus Christ, how much more will he give you everything else? You see, the Bible is not this counterfeit where it's like, man, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like our, uh, some of the leaders in Elevate. Where it's like, man, they ain't rich like that. They don't got it like that. Man, you know what? Joby don't got the nicest car. Man, TJ don't got the freshest shoes. I want to be more like this guy. I want, to, I want to succeed more. I want more success. I want more worldly gain. I want more females by my side. I can't be a one man, a one girl, a one girl man. But here's the thing, right? Little do you know right now that the children of God, those who are saved, when it comes to, to meeting God face to face, the Father face to face, we will be given rewards that no one, this world can never compare to. Think about the riches. Think about Bill Gates, Donald Trump. Stack it all together. God has more. See, my father is richer than anybody you got. See, my father is richer than your daddy. My father is richer than your mommy. My father is richer than the richest rapper. See, my father loves me too, and he's willing to give everything. What I have to do is endure, receive the discipline, share in his holiness, and that only comes by faith. So with all heads bowed, close your eyes. People who have, who have not seen hardship in their life, as, then they claim to be Christian, right? But they've been playing it safe. They've been living comfortable. They've been doing whatever they want. And you're now realizing you are illegitimate, illegitimate children. You're not official children of God. I want to call you up to the altar. Every one of those that relate to that. And those that are Christian who claim to be children of God and are going through hardships, I want to invite you right now to receive prayer, to, to, to know in your heart, listen, I am trusting in God. So that's two people, those that are illegitimate children, that do not know God as their father, that the minute hardship comes, they turn away, they run in with the tails between their legs, that's it. You are legitimate children, come up, receive prayer, get along with God. And to those that are Christians, that are children of God, they know they're legitimate, but they're going through trials right now. I want you to come up and our, our leaders will pray for you. 
This is your time. If you if you are busy, if you're a busy bee, you know, you have no time because of school and everything, and you want to be a legitimate child, and you're like, man, I want to endure hardship. Come up. This is your time to be alone with God. No brothers or sisters to annoy you. This is for you, children of God. This is your time alone. This is your prayer closet. This is your secret place. I really want you guys in your seats to really think about what I said. Look at your life. Are you willing to deal with the crumbs that the world gives you? The lack of discipline that the world gives you? You do whatever you want, but now you see the consequences. Come up, receive God as your father. Become legitimate children. I want uh, three leaders to go ahead and pray for anyone they see fit. Stephanie, if you could sing.